Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Peter Rutzler. The cold has blown in again, but Liga is always here to keep you warm. But who froze under the snowy, wintry conditions, and who was making snow angels? Uh, all that and more after the latest headlines. Monaco continued their impressive form as they came from a goal down to beat Lille 2-1. Stefan Jovetic and Aroni Lopez helped the Monegas strengthen their position in second place while condemning Christophe Galtier's side to the relegation zone. On Saturday, Rennes grabbed a two second half goals to win at Bordeaux. Benoit Castille gifted his old side the opener before ex-Girondin star Jan Gorkouf netted to seal the victory. In the multiplex, the two relegation nail-biters ended in draws. Amiens and Troyes traded penalties in their one-all affair as Strasbourg knocked back to lose 2-2. Dijon saw a Wesley Saeed double get them a point in a two-all draw at Montpellier, while Angers were vindicated for resting players midweek against Paris Saint-Germain as they thumped Caen 3-0. On Sunday, Nice almost caused an upset but were eventually beaten 2-1 by leaders PSG. Danny Alves scored in the second half to win it, but the home side had numerous chances in an entertaining affair. Elsewhere, Nantes stuttered in their chase for Europe as they drew one all at Metz, while Saint-Étienne heaped more misery on Gangomp, who haven't won in 12, well, have won once in their last 12 as they won 2-0. In the first, well, the final game of the weekend, uh, Memphis Depay did it again as his late winner saw Leon silence the Stade Velodrome with a 3-2 win. Kostas Mitroglou thought he'd earned Marseille a point late on before the Dutchman strike with a scuffle in a tunnel, also taking the headlines after the match. In off-the-field news, both of the Olympique sides are in hot water with UEFA for not controlling their fans during their recent Europa League clashes. Fireworks and aggression being the governing body's main source of concern, as well as Legon reportedly showing racist behaviour, which could also land them in more hot trouble, as they have been suspended from punishment, well, had a suspended punishment back in 2017 in the last quarterfinals for not controlling their fans. And that's all for now. But for all the latest news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with that Olympique derby game and it was another cracker between the top four in Liga on both sides playing end-to-end football and eventually Lyon squeezing past Marseille 3-2 and a wonderful silence really that came over the stadium when Lyon ever scored without having the away fans obviously rich but a, a really solid performance for them and and honestly, a really big win for Bruno Genesio because it keeps him in the hot seat for now at least. And it also puts Leon right back on the tail of Marseille for that chase for that third uh, Champions League spot. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it was it was a really, really big win for Leon. Um, I wasn't sure that they were going to have it in them. Um, countering that, of course, Marseille seemed to consistently find it, it troublesome to, to beat those teams in the top four. Um but it was a very impressive showing from from Leon. Um, it was another game where Marseille's 
bigger name players, I think, really failed to turn up. Um, I have been praising um, Florian Tovan, especially of late, but this this was one of his most anonymous performances of the season. You know, this was the Tovan of a couple of years ago. Um, so it's disappointing to see that he's really struggling to to up his game when it really, really matters in these big, big games. Um, but I think the, the huge credit does have to go to Leon. It was a, a fantastic atmosphere. I think the um, the Guardian piece today touches on it. it, it this, this, this match is now getting to perhaps the fiercest, fiercest of derbies in France at the moment. You know, it genuinely feels like there's some hatred between the sides, which providing this within, within reason, it's what you want from a big derby match like this. And, and it, you know, the atmosphere was, was incredible. It was a pretty full um, Stad Velodrome. We know how intimidating the Marseille fans can be. We've seen it in previous um, Olympicos against Lyon and the, the um, effigies of, uh, of, of Valbuena and the like. Um, so it would have been difficult, I think, for Leon. They're, they're in pretty dire form of late. Um, so, so to come away from with with all three points, especially having conceded that that Mitroglou, Mitroglou equaliser so late on, I think showed some real spirit. Um, it's a useful three points for Genesi. I still don't think it necessarily changes what I think will happen in the summer with a, with a change of coach, but it certainly perhaps gives them a little bit of a stay of execution until the end of the season. Um, it, it's now we're now on for a real nail biting running. You know, there's only two points separating them. Seven or eight games left. Not too many difficult games for either side. So it's going to be really interesting to see which which of these two teams cracks first. Absolutely. And I, I saw an excellent point made by our very own uh, Eric Davini, who's done a little bit of research into this uh, Champions League place. Because if, for say, in the Europa League, obviously there is a place that automatically goes to the Champions League. But if someone like Atletico or Lazio as well, teams that would, at the moment at least, qualify automatically for the Champions League group stages in their leagues, that automatic place that usually goes to the Europa League winner would go to the fifth league and their third place team, which currently is Liga and would be one of those sides. So there's an incentive there that should someone like the favourites Atletico win the Europa League, if it's not Marseille themselves, that that position is even more valuable than it is at the moment being a, a qualifying round for them. But Peter, let's focus on Leon really to start off with, because it's, it's a really big, big win for them, given their recent form. Obviously, they did win the previous weekend that finally snapped that six-game uh, winless streak in the league. But this, again... Uh, although we mentioned it earlier against Paris Saint-Germain when they beat them, this feels like a big win that could finally give them momentum in this season and has them breathing down Marseille's neck now. Yeah, this is very much a a seesaw game, I think, for Lyon because it was that sense of it could go either way. I mean, obviously in recent weeks, we've been very, very critical of of Genesio and and the way his sides played, especially when, you know, when Lyon were at their finest and, and, and cutting teams aside and scoring goals for fun, it, they were, you know, favourites for, for second, let alone just top three. Um, but I think this game really, you know, had Leon had to perform. You know, after the real disappointment against Cisco Moscow uh, last week, I think Leon would have seen the Europa League as a competition they could go on and win. And there was there's real disappointment from the way they played against Ajax in the semi-final last year. Obviously, there was this, the incentive of, of the final and. To lose it the way they did after getting such a good result in Moscow, um, 
to lose three two, and then there were also the scenes of, of Fernando Marcel, you know, almost having a scuffle with with Genesio. It just all the messages were really really negative, and then obviously it came out during the game last night that Canal Police were claiming that he'd handed in his resignation, had Genesio, and which was denied. But all of that was culminating onto this huge game at the Velodrome and that intense atmosphere, as Rich was saying, and they had to perform, and they did. Uh, they, they, you know, and it's, it's one of the criticisms we we levelled at, at Leon was perhaps it's a bit of inexperience. We're aware that they're they're a young team, um, and that that obviously plays a part. And of course, Genesio with his inability to to form a plan B, but it felt like his team took control of the game. And I think the actual focus itself can't really praise Genesio too much. I don't think Leon adapted how they uh, approached the game. They were far more uh, balanced and, and controlled and uh, more conservative for sure but I feel like it was more Garcia's selection that perhaps we could be more critical of you know I mean Acampos has been in good form but and, and Lopez as well has, has looked bright but in a game like this where they had that potential to be so fierce and it felt like Lyon dominated the, the centre of, of midfield and obviously Hussam Awa was outstanding uh, he really showed his potential his touch was excellent uh, his distribution, superb, and obviously he scored a really well-taken goal. And Dombelli, again, stepping up to the mark in a big game, uh, really dominating midfield, uh, using his power, his strength, but also his, his technical ability too. And Toussaint, um, a player who, you know, Leon seemed to really rely on. Um, and when he performs, they do too, in sort of the metronome in that, the, of the triumvirate in midfield. And he, he, was, he performed well as well. And I think that was a real boost for them. I still think there are big questions to be asked of their front three still. Um, I think it was written in Lequipe, they were highlighting again the lack of interconnectivity, a similar problem we've, we've seen with PSG. Um, obviously, Mariano is a, is a goal-hungry poacher, you know, Van Nistelrooy-esque and his desires to get goals and in, in excuse, in ex uh, uh, instead of uh, contributing to team play. But you know, it's, it's, it's that this kind of result is the, the result they need to catapult themselves back into that top three pursuit and really push Marseille. Um, I don't, as Rich was saying, I don't think that this will be a catalyst to Genesio suddenly staying on. I think we've seen a lot that shows he's quite limited. And with the talent pool that they've got at the moment, Leon, and the talent pool they, they will expand with and, and the young players they've got in their academy, it, it feels like they need the right sort of manager to, to really guide these, these players and push them on, you know. You have to look at Leonardo Jardim and what he's doing with Monaco. And you wouldn't, I mean, Monaco's squad is very good. I wouldn't say it's that much better than Leon's, but I mean, the way he stabilized a side that suffered ru real ruptures last summer um, speaks volumes of just how good Jardim is. And he, for me, is leaps and bounds ahead of, of the likes of Genesio and as the best manager in Liga. So I think that will count against him. But if Leon suddenly turn it back on and we see the very best, he'll give himself a shout of keeping the job. But a huge, huge win for, for Leon, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, almost undeniable, really, Rich. Um, but I, I do want to focus on that midfield duo that you did mention there, Peter. They've sort of drifted, all three of them, in fact, really, in these six games instead of when we focused on the, the trio up front and, and the mixed match that they've had and bits like that and, and Depay's himself to a degree with a goal, but not entirely let's say to be fair because it has been a frustrating time with with all of them really especially with Fakir out but those three in midfield Rich it's been one of those moments where they haven't quite stepped up to the mark in that six game um, 
run where they didn't win a game and they weren't great at the win that they did have. But finally, again, in these big games, all three of them, in fact, uh, turned up and, and First of all, Husan Almar um, has had to pull out of the under-21 squad earlier because of illness, and he was ill all week, which kind of puts more of a statement on how fantastic he really was on Sunday, doesn't it? Uh, it does. I, I think one thing we have to remember is this is... Uh, Toussaint played you know, a, a decent-ish number of games last season, but this really is all three players' breakthrough season still, um, and they have been relied on to an incredible level, I think. I, you know, I don't think many teams would, you know, I mean, they're, they're undoubtedly a hugely talented trio, but the level of reliance that's been sort of thrust upon them by Leon to to play week in, week out, um, learn almost learn on the job, um, is is testament to just how good I think they actually are. So I think it's it's understandable that that all three of them are going to go through, especially as we, we come towards the end of the season. A little drop in form, a little drop in energy. And Tusar especially has looked very tired of late. Um, you know the volume of work that that he is he is being required to do. Um, I think it's only natural in in what is in effect your full debut season. Um, so it, I think we have to remember that. Um, I think we also have to remember you know, these are, for my mind anyway, the future of of the French midfield. You can make a very strong case that in I don't know four or five years' time, these these three are lining up as the as the the midfield trio for for the national team. You know that that's how you know good a set of players they are. You know between the three of them, they they just cover everything that you need. Um, you know you've got the sort of calm, as Peter mentioned, the sort of metronome that that Tussar is. You've got the drive, the energy. The power that Ndombele brings, and then you've got the slightly more artistic nature, I suppose, that, that Amar brings. And you know, we saw with his goal last night just just how good he can be um, uh, in and around the, the the penalty area. So they're a fantastic trio between them. Um, in an ideal world, I think Genesio and Olas would both admit it would be nice if they perhaps got a bit more depth in that midfield, so that they could have given some of these these midfielders a rest. Um, I, I think the reliance on them so much throughout the season, it, you know, it's no coincidence that they've had such a dramatic blip in the last sort of six weeks or so. Um, if that squad was a little bigger, if that squad was a little better, some of those players could have been rested um, and maybe they wouldn't be two points behind. Maybe they wouldn't be have gone into this game needing absolutely essential three points against Marseille. So I'm very excited to what the future holds for all three um, because they are just all completely different, yet together just complement each other superbly. I think that's sometimes the thing we forget both of those is is that one there's not a great deal of depth in that front in the uh, Leon squad. So a lot of them had had played a lot of time and they've sort of mixed and matched at the same time with, with little niggles and, and obviously fitting the front four in has, has affected that as well. But um, terrific to see them again, dominant in a big game, which is exactly what you want to see. But for Marseille, Peter, those questions start rising again. I mean, they've played all three of the, the top sides now um, on two occasions and they haven't won any of them really. And that, is probably still the knock on this champions project that they, at least for this season, uh, won't be able to shake. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
the, the stats wheeled out, isn't it? I mean, it's two points, isn't it? I think this season from the six games against the top three, and you've also got the, the fact that they haven't beaten any of them since well, for eighteen matches in total <coughs> in twenty sixteen. So that that's sort of the the shadow that you know is looming large over their shoulders, and it, that's the difference between you know a side that's going to go on and get that top three spot comfortably your likes of Monaco and, and a side that you know is, is is under pressure but I think again I think whereas Leon it's a case of, of young players breaking through as Rich outlined and you've got that sort of breakthrough feel with Marseille it's that cobbled feel that we you know it's still there I think what we a lot of it has been carefully molded by by Garcia and he's lent on the elements that have really shone and we, we've seen that with Tova um we've seen that with Mondonda again who was, was really relied on of of the three that I think, Rich, you mentioned it uh, a few pods ago about this three of Gustavo, Mondonda and, and, and Tovan. It's very much the case and you need all three to be relatively on song. And when, when you're re relying on those players, it, it does create this sense of, you know, there is vulnerabilities here. And Florian Tovan, of course, symbolises that. We haven't really seen him perform in, in, in a big game. Uh, again, he was anonymous uh, last night and those are the moments you want your best players to really stand out and grab the games by the scruff of the neck. And if you compare him to Fakir, of course, he's out with a knee injury at the moment, but Fakir definitely stands up in these big games. In fact, he's amplified. And and, Mon and Marseille need that. I mean, we saw that uh, earlier in the season when PSG came to the velodrome with, with Luis Gustavo, who was outstanding. Um, Mondondo, of course, a set exception to the rule, another superb display. And you know, Leon could have been uh, run out much more comfortable winners uh, if it wasn't for him. He pulled off some superb stops. So, but it, it, you need your big players to play, and you need those players to be more spread out throughout the side. There are some, you know, vulnerabilities in there. I think starting a Campos for me was one. I mean, he has scored a couple of goals lately, but I, I don't really know what he adds in terms of a, in a creative sense. I, 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 he's quite a frustrating player to watch. I mean, he has. He looks like he's got ability, but then he'll 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 muck something up, or in in a way that you just think, well, this completely belies what you've just done a few moments ago. And he's still not got that next level. I mean, his recent form aside, you look at the broader pitch and you think, really? And obviously, Sanson is the man who's been in and out of the side, and you, we've questioned frequently why that's been the case. Um, I mean, Garcia doesn't seem to fully trust him, and I mean, he too has the potential to to become anonymous in games, and that's a trait that you probably want to mask, but. You want to look elsewhere too. So the likes of Payet, you want to be pushing on. You want him to be grabbing the games by the scruff of the neck. And admittedly, of late, we've seen better from Payet. I actually think he was okay uh, last night. Um, his crossing was better. We're used to watching Marseille, and it's just a constant barrage of Payet corners over being overhit and undercooked, and then three kicks the same, and then one might look nice, and it's fine. But there's that lack of consistency, I think, where all, all of the elements, come together and when we have seen that this season Marseille have been superb so I think that's the real challenge for Garcia but again going back to that first point about this cobbled together feel that you know that there is that you need all there's something missing still um, I think defensively there is vulnerabilities uh, Rami and Rolando have been good but you know put a bit of pace there and, and they're in trouble um, but you know I think with Garcia in charge as much as I can criticise the way he's set them up. I don't think Lopez should have partnered Gustavo. Um, he wasn't awful, but he was, again, I, I, there were a couple of times where I was looking up during the game because I, I joined the game late and I was thinking, well, who's partnering Gustavo in midfield? I haven't seen him. I was thinking, is it Lopez? That looks like Lopez. 
Um, and it's that's what you're not what you want in midfield, and that just shows how dominant Leon were. But again, you, it's that that's a selection decision I feel from from Garcia, who generally this season has done well. Um, so maybe it's a blip, but that those big games, those are the ones you want um, to be challenging. You want to win these games to pick up points because it makes a statement, and it makes you know other sides, the lesser sides, believe okay, actually, you know, they, they are a top three club, but if they can't beat them, then it undermines their challenge certainly. So elements missing, but I think. Yeah, certainly they'll want to improve their record, especially against the bigger clubs. Mm. Well, I um, I, I, after the, after the game last after the game last night, I dusted off a a tweet from just before the uh, opening of the January transfer window. I was talking to a couple of Marseille fans, and I was saying, you know, there's a big, big opportunity here to to get that second place. You know, Monaco hadn't quite kickstarted this latest sort of run of, of very good form. Um. You know, Marseille were up there, they were a lot closer to, to, to Monaco. Um, and I just, uh, we, we were talking about the transfer window, and I said, well, get a right back, get two centre backs, get a striker. It's four players. You signed four players in the January transfer window the previous year, four players that, you know, would get you. I'm fairly certain if they'd have, if they'd have gone out and recruited in those four areas properly, and I don't count Metroglu as a, as a proper striking signing. I'm fairly certain they they'd certainly be challenging Monaco a lot more um, harder than, than they are doing at the minute, and may have even actually, you know, what they may have even been close to getting a, a second place more or less sewn up because they have, you know, Tovan is 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 playing very well, albeit can't seem to get into the the bigger games. You know, Gustavo has proved an excellent signing. Um, Sanson, when you know he is still a little bit hit and miss, but when he's a hit, he's very very good. So if they'd have been a bit more sensible in their January recruitment, they they wouldn't be having to worry about looking at Leon over their back. They'd be thinking, we've got Monaco firmly in our sights. If not, they're just behind them. Um, I, 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 I've said this numerous times about them. I just feel sometimes this could have been a bit of a missed opportunity for Marseille this season. Yeah, it, it, it might just maybe also be a bridge too far for this season, really. Maybe the players... That's what I think maybe in January, or at least I hope it was the decision, maybe the players that they really wanted that would have really added the quality to their, their squad and the depth just weren't available. Um, that's the hope, you think, and that restock in the summer, a great chance to to bring in some players that will sort of make them a better outfit overall. Like you say, a, a, a right back will be clearly something that they look at, uh, some extra bodies in midfield as well definitely a striker that can get them 20 a season as well if they can that kind of thing will will make them a much better team but I do want to talk about um the scuffle really that ended the game uh Peter Mar Marcelo obviously sort of taunted the fans with his with his shirt at the end that was seen as the instigator really it was sort of on the pitch with Rami as well um him and the two uh, had a little bit of a a little bit of a, a I can't really call it a fight, really. You can never call these things fights in football, really. We don't get a, a real, well, unless you saw the, the one in League Day the other day. That's more of a fight. This was more of a of a tough talking to between two players, but uh, a little bit unsavoury at the end, but it adds to the spice of a, of a feisty game, doesn't it? Yeah, it's good for, I guess it's, <laughs> the flip side is it's good for the spectacle. But yeah, as you said, it was more of a, a, a congregation of bodies coming together at the, uh, the the mouth of the tunnel obviously had uh, been sparked by clearly some exchange between between Marcelo and um, uh, Adil Rami where Rami's lashed out and I'm sure he'll face retrospective action for that 
uh, wasn't seen by the referee. And then, of course, Marcelo raises his shirt and then uh, everyone starts flying in. Rami doesn't hangs about as well. And everyone's getting involved trying to... It seems like everyone's trying to keep each other out of the fight without actually knowing who's actually in the fight. Um, but clearly, words are exchanged. Um, you've got Toman coming out going all Corleone saying they will pay for it. So, you know, it's good for the, you know, it, the, the spectacle. And it, it does add to this sense of just how deep and intense the rivalry is becoming and that's symptomatic both of the competition and and of course the, of the games themselves they just keep adding spice to it each time they play and you know that's that makes it for a good spectacle as much as anything and as long as it's you know we're not we don't want to breach um we don't want loss of control of players which i'm sure is the normal charge but it shows passion i think for one thing it shows it for the players that um you know they did it did mean something i think that's one thing that could have been questioned about about Leon when we were talking about the the Marcel um, Marcel was there some kind of disunity but you know it's, it's it can galvanize that a little bit but a lot of tension a lot of pressure and that was expressed in in those unsavory scenes yeah and and some more unsavory things for both the teams off the pitch which as we mentioned in the news that both are being very seriously looked at by UEFA for, for not controlling fans in the other game and um Leon obviously having a a possibly even bigger issue where they might even close the stadium for, for several games, given that they have a suspended sentence from, from last season as well. It, it, again, it's a shame that, that fans in France in these European games um, for these big clubs, really, and you don't really see it as much in, in England or in, in Italy, but or really in Spain, especially for the very big clubs, at least anyway, um, this is something that, the clubs need to stamp a, a, a very hard on the, at the moment. The, this can't happen again. No, it can't. I, I mean, we want to see passionate fans. Um, you know, we want to see, well, we want to see passionate fans both inside and outside the stadium. You know, it's good to see, you know, fans up for a game as they, you know, head towards the stadium. We like, we, we like that. We obviously then, it is that fine line. We then don't want to see trouble. We don't want to see fighting. We don't want to see, you know, bars getting smashed up. We don't want to see, you know, the, the the police in the stadium getting pelted with objects. We don't want to see players getting pelted with objects. But you know, we so that that obviously has to be controlled, and there can be a zero tolerance on that. But they just need to be careful; they don't go too far and sort of police the um, the sort of passion out of the game. You know, there's there's always this image that you know the 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 French league is sort of the, the the lowest in terms of average attendances and things like that. So it's important that, you know, these stadiums can still retain an atmosphere. You know, we've still got, you know, a decent number. You look at Strasbourg, you look at Marseille, you know, Lyon at home, Saint-Étienne at home. They can all generate a really, really good atmosphere. Um, so we want to be careful that we're not taking that away from it. Um, but you're right. There has been far too many instances of late um well, to be honest it's not even of late you know you can trace some of these instances back to you know four or five years ago um probably reached its absolute peak in terms of of you know really really bad levels with with obviously the the um the bastia leon game last season uh last season season before with the um the bastia fans entering the pitch before kickoff to attack the leon players um you know there has to be a better level of policing but it also has to be a sensible level of policing because we need we need safe players, we need safe fans, we need safe general public, but we also need to have passionate fans. We need to have, you know, 
real fiery atmospheres. We don't want to lose. We really don't want to lose that. You know, we saw last night with the the velodrome crowd. We want that. We want that in every game. That kind of atmosphere. That kind of passion. And you just have to be careful that that doesn't get policed out. But you're right. It does need to be policed properly. Mm, yeah, absolutely. There, there's levels to it. I think is the best way to put it, isn't it? There, 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 that it seems like in French football at the moment, as well as the, over the last couple of years, there's there's been too frequently instant incidences sort of popping up everywhere. And, and Leon had the one last season, wasn't it, the way that where their fans were were on the pitch as well and, and causing a, a big ruckus and to a point where they stopped the game briefly as well. So there needs to be a something done there really and and something stronger sort of punishment and that might come from your way for unfortunately for for them at least and on to another interesting game that we saw on Sunday the sort of earlier game sort of for the marketing reasons at least anyway for the midday kickoff um well one o'clock at French time at least anyway but midweek for us between uh, Nice and Paris Saint-Germain and it was a really entertaining affair with Nice taking a good lead they had a number of good chances but Paris Saint-Germain do what Paris Saint-Germain seemed to always do in in French football at the moment, and that's still win anyway. But um, Peter Nice gave them a right good scare and, and gave a really good performance again. Yeah, there's still life in, in Lucien Favre's side yet, it seems. Um, they've had a really up and down season, which we've mentioned. We were talking about them last week, but in this game, they were, you know they really showcase some of the of the attacking verb that we've missed a little bit this season, and I think that's helped by the lineup they were able to field. I think of late they they had a little blip in form number of injuries and absentees. Um, it was pretty much a full-strength Nice side, actually, looking at it. I mean, Cyprian was back, looking good. Seri getting on the ball in a way that we haven't seen him do before. There were some passages of play were outstanding. I think there was one doing the rounds on Twitter where they just kept, well, they broke the PSG's press, and it looks fantastic. Um, the speed of retention of the ball, um, the way they're moving it across from, from midfield going forward. And you know, I think there are elements to this Nice side that, that look like, again, it's, we can talk about reconstruction of sides, but of one that is solid. But we also saw in the game that the things that have held them back. Um, defensively, there are still a lot of questions to, to be asked. Um, Malang's side is, is prone to some errors, but it, it's, it's Dante for me who really has gone off a cliff this season. Um, maybe that's a bit harsh, but he has his standards have dropped dramatically and of course, at the start of the season, it was all about Jan Cardinal and goal, and Benitez has come in and, looked, and done okay. He's, he's established himself well, but I think the two of them will feel disappointed with the first goal, and as Favre was saying, the, the second goal, again, is, is, is avoidable um, with player leaving, leaving um, Dani Alves to, to run on and score. So the, there is that, that two-fold balance of, of their season uh, that, we, that we really saw, but... Um, Obviously, last week was all about Alessandro Player, wasn't it, with his four goals? But this week it was about Balotelli again, bringing him back. And you could see again why he's so important. I think on a different day, Balotelli scores a couple of goals, even a hat trick. He was really unlucky with that header in the second half that cracked against the the crossbar. Um, and I think he, I'd be surprised if he doesn't think about moving in, in the summer. I mean, obviously, uh, Nice are looking at getting back into Europe, but I think he'll feel that he's got another crack at an elite level side and you know I, I wouldn't hold it against him I feel like this season at times he has carried Nice in, in some of the darker times but at the same time they've they last week sort of hinted at you know maybe they're good without him but I, I genuinely feel that he's been at their best player um, and I think 
maybe he'll look at that and think, can I can I do it again on a bigger stage? Potentially. Um, we'll have to test him again. But I, I would back him to do that. Uh, but I think Nice were really, really good in this game. And um, there, there are some promising options, certainly. And it's nice to see Sarri playing well. It's nice to see Cyprian playing well. And Sam Maximan, who's been talked up a lot, especially by Balotelli. Um, and he scored again. And I mean, if he, he seems like he's got all the tools to be really, really good. Uh, he's a, a real rough diamond of a player. Um, I remember the under-20 World Cup for France. He was absolutely outstanding and extremely audacious. Um, and it's all about curving that and, and moulding that and turning that into a, a ruthless, efficient, um, elite-level player. And there, there's certainly elements there that can really push on. And Favre's certainly a manager that can, can do it. And I think he's, he's proved it as well with the way that Nice have responded and, who knows? They could get top five, but I'm sure uh, Rich's Wren will have a say in that too. <laughs> I just wanted to just just quickly just to to touch on um, on Balotelli as well. I think one thing that we saw probably clear as anything in that game was just how his maturity has improved. You know, it was very very clear that between Silva, between Kimpembe, between Alves, they were out for getting him sent off. They were you know goading him. They were going down at the slightest touches. They were clearly trying to wind him up. And the old Balotelli would have fallen for that. He would have kicked out. He would have thrown an elbow. But he actually lapped it up, I thought, um, on Sunday. I thought he, he you could see that he knew that. He knew that they were trying to wind him up. And he looked in control. He was able to be, you know, be that sort of muscular, powerful, physical player he can be. And be, you know, be really strong in those challenges. Be on the edge which is fine, but the old Balotelli would have gone over the edge and he would have got sent off in that game. So I was very, very impressed with with that level of maturity in the face of, in Silva and Alves especially, two veterans who probably know better, more than any other players in world football how to really get at a player and, and niggle at his, his weaknesses. So real, full credit to, to Balotelli. And also then, interesting thing I read the other day was that obviously his contract expires in the summer. But it seems that that um, uh, Rivera, the, the Nice uh, president, has negotiated um, with with Balotelli and his agent, which one is that? Mino, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, negotiated in there that yes, he can leave, but they will be getting a ten million euro fee. So although his contract will have expired, they're still going to be getting money for him. Um, and, and Balotelli was happy with that. You know, he saw it as a as a thank you almost to Nice that you know they have over these two seasons really, I think, um, put life back into his career, which I think was at the risk of stagnating um, before this move. So he's a real, real success story. Um, I, for one, was a bit dubious when he first joined. So to see him score regularly, to see him really mature, I think, over his two years um, is is full credit to Nice, but really full credit to, to Balotelli as well. Yeah, it was just the right kind of move for him at the right kind of level to, to allow him to, to sort of step away from the spotlight for a change and not be really under the 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 lampshade, as, as you may say, to for a little bit and, and out of the scrutiny and out of the headlines briefly and, and sort of just concentrate on his football. But Because I think he's been really good this season. And, and I think I agree with you, Richie. It, it was really terrific to see him sort of being goaded and not quite rise to it, but still have that balotelliness about it. Of he had to say his piece. He had to talk to the referee still. He still wanted to uh, shake the hands of Thiago Silva, even though it was a little bit of a contentious. I'm not agreeing with you really, Thiago, but I'm not, and I'm not happy with what you're doing, but I'm not 
not going to hit you this time. It was really nice to see. And the and East side, they're, they're really built um, off a solid start. They got that great goal through for Alan St. Maximan. They, they caused a lot of problems in attacking areas. They, 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 didn't really let up on PSG, but yet, like you said, Peter, it, it was silly mistakes, really. I remember in the first goal that uh, Arnold Suke takes too much of a risk on a, on a potential switch of possession, and he's caught so far up the field that Di Maria's given plenty of space, but it was almost like a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free for Paris Saint-Germain in the end, because they were a little bit lethargic. Again, they were they had their moments that, uh, admittedly, Mbappe hit the bar, but Cavani didn't quite come to the races. The midfield didn't quite click with Draxler in there as well. He was a bit uh, anonymous during this one after a pretty good game in midweek, but they just about clasped it up together with that header to, to, to win the game and maintain their streak. But there's just still something missing there, isn't there? Well, they're, they're on the they're on the beach, aren't they? Now, I mean, they've Champions League was what their season was for. That's gone. Yeah, they've got the domestic cups, but you know they're going to win those at a at a cakewalk. It would seem league seems pretty tied up. There's not a great deal for these players to to really play for. Those that are at international level know that they're going to be going to the World Cup. It's not like there's there's any players there that maybe one or two, but the majority of those players don't really need to be up in their game to impress international um, selectors. So I think we're going to see performances like this, you know, in, in PSG's running, you know, there's, there's no real, it's not that it's not the attitude to take. I know it's not the attitude to take, but those PSG players will be thinking, well, there's nothing to play for. You know, we've got everything that we need to be pretty much sewn up. Let's just, you know, relax and sort of, for want of a better phrase, sort of half-arse it till the end of the season. It it does certainly feel like that, doesn't it, Peter? That they're maybe a little bit on the beach. That does the manager motivate them anymore? Have they got any motivation really to put in massive performances? Because Draxler's probably thinking, well, my position's not necessarily tenable, unless or maybe a new manager might does, might have a position for me. But otherwise, he might be looking elsewhere in the summer. Um, Di Maria was pretty good, but again, he might be someone that looks as this is an opportunity to really put himself in the shop window more than anything, maybe um, it does seem now that they, they're just coasting towards maybe these cup finals and, and get those important ones out of the way, some more silverware and, and focus on uh, the 2018-19 season now, doesn't it? Yeah. There, like you were saying, there's too many transitionary circumstances surrounding the club. Now it's what's going, what's coming. What is Emery going to be there? I think you could even label that some of PSG's performances throughout the season have only been, you know, second gear and they haven't really, really needed to go above and beyond. But well, yeah, we're going to get these performances. I think they can wrap up the title against Sanatien if, if Monaco slip up twice, which probably won't happen. But um, I mean, that it, they're pretty much home and hosed. Um, I think I think from Calafi's pers- perspective, he, he'll want um, PSG to keep pushing. He's got to sell his TV rights deal. That's why we're seeing fixtures at 12 uh, at lunchtime and and that sort of thing, because, you know, there's still that side to it. But again, it's not like they're really thinking about impressing the next manager. It's, it's yeah, it is in that sort of feeling of, well, we're going to get there and and uh, hope for the best. And it would be nice to say, oh, you know, World Cup form and whatever. But maybe that plays a part. I, I wouldn't say it totally is completely out of the running. I mean, they'll be playing for places, I guess. Um, the likes of Drax will certainly be wanting to, to push. Uh, he'll most definitely be in the squad, you'd imagine, for, for Germany. But looking at that, getting a starting berth and that sort of thing was important. But I think, as Rich was saying, there are a number of players in that side who are guaranteed starts, really, uh, especially your Cavani's and uh, your Verratti's and so forth. So, 
yeah, we're going to see more of it uh, until the end of the season. As they sort of coast on and and uh, and that's El Halifi sort of focus on these uh, trips to Brazil to potentially convince Neymar that he he doesn't need a million pound a week salary. But uh, if rumours are rumours for a reason, we won't dip too far into that one because that's a that's a rabbit hole that we we might not be able to claw ourselves out of. But moving on to a, another side that impressed this weekend and I've improved recently really in 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 Ren who's sitting fifth position we talked about them a couple of weeks ago but after a couple of shakes from other teams they're still the one in the driving seat really and I, I don't again Richie we're not you're probably not certain whether it's good to talk about your team or best if we ignored <laughs> them really but it's been six games now um their recent run unbeaten they've drawn two of well, drawn two of those there's four wins in there against good signs like Leon and obviously the good win away to Bordeaux at the weekend that was partially gifted to them by an ex-player which was nice to see in in some ways but I'm sure Bordeaux fans will think very differently but a good stretch of form heading into um a the last the latter part of the season where we obviously have the the international break coming up ahead so the chance for some of their players to rest but they're they're certainly in pole position now for that uh, fifth place in, in a Europa League spot um I think they are I, I mean they've got a fairly tricky run in um first game back after the international break is at is at home to Monaco then they're away at Nice then two weeks later away at Nantes um chuck in their penultimate game of the season away at PSG Final game at home to Montpellier. You know, that's it's a tricky running. It really is. Um, so <clears throat> it's it's not a done deal. Um, yes, they're you know they're going into the international break in good form. Uh, Lamushi has got the side playing pretty. You know, I still think there's more to come from this team, <clears throat> but we're now starting to see a, a, a you know good level of consistency. I still think they're pretty slow out of the traps. It's a, it's a ridiculous number of goals that Ren have scored have been in the second half. Um, so I think they're still a little bit sluggish. I think there's work to do on that because, you know, in the games against teams like Monaco, against teams like these, you can't afford to come out slowly. Um, but I'm liking what I'm seeing. Um, I, w- I, for one, was not overly encouraged when Lamushi was announced as, as Christian Gorkou's replacement earlier in the season. But I'm very, very pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, he's got a young team playing some really, really good football. Um, there's some real standout players there. I genuinely think Thomas Kubek has been one of the signings and certainly one of the goalkeepers of the season. In Joris Nyanyol and Jeremy Gerland, they've got two really talented young centre-backs. Um, Ismail Assar looks to be over his injury problems. He's now scored I think, three or four goals in, in, in that six-game run. Obviously, Wabi Khazri is, is another one that could make, you know, make a claim for signing of the season. Um, you know, they recruited fairly smartly in January. They brought in Biafra Sarko. He's yet to hit top form, but I think there's maybe a little bit of rustiness there. Um, so I, I, there's a lot of reasons to be positive. You know, this has been a very encouraging six-game run, um, which sort of turned the season round because until that point, they were having a pretty torrid 2018. Um, you know, they they just come off the back of losing at home to Gangol. Um, league game before that, they'd lost away at Dijon. Um, so it, 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 they weren't in a particularly good place. But I think because there has yet, there's been a real struggling consistency with all of those teams in that run, that sort of fifth down to sort of eleventh place. They although in that pretty poor run of form, they've managed to keep track. All of a sudden, now they're the team that have now put together 
a run of good form. Six games unbeaten. Not many other teams can can rival that in 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 that sort of block of teams. Um, so there's there's a lot of work to do. Um, in an ideal world, yes, I'd love to say, yeah, I think fifth place is is fairly sewn up, but it is a very tricky run-in. I think those first two games back after the winter break will be a, a big indicator of, well, let's see how serious this Wren side are of taking fifth place and with that a, a Europa League place. Um, you know, if they can come away from those four games unbeaten, ideally maybe with a with with four points, then I think we can probably reconvene in in those few weeks' time and I could probably be a bit more positive about fifth place being sewn up. Hmm. Yeah, because you start looking at some of the competitors for that place. I mean, Nantes are still there, but they keep making mistakes. They've had a really bad 2018. They're still really hanging on to that form they had at the first half of the season that's keeping them in that position. Montpellier sort of drift from week to week. Sometimes they can be quite good. Sometimes, like the weekend, they, they were maybe a little bit unlucky against Dijon, but at the same time, it felt like one of those Montpellier performances They seemed to rise against the big teams and, and not quite uh, rise to the occasion against the smaller teams. And you'd think Nice are on, were on good form, but had have a difficult loss, obviously, and this one and, and a couple of difficult games still left themselves and, and teams around them. Um, so you think that it's really up for grabs for any of them, really, Peter. But it's it's been a it's been a good season, really, for Ren. After a couple of seasons where it's been a little bit indifferent more than anything, but Rich made a lot of good points there. That that the strikers started well, like Sars starting to score goals. They're getting goals from everywhere. For like Kazri and, and Borijo have both contributed quite a bit this season. Um, but they just are finding a more cohesive unit with a good goalkeeper now, a solid defence, a, a serviceable midfield, and, and, a, and an okay attack. They've got. The building blocks for what after the season, if they do make Europe and they have the summer ahead and they they were willing to spend money last summer, um, they have the basis of what could be a more consistent European contender in uh, in French football. Yeah, definitely. I think I think Rich has, has outlined it really well. I think the biggest thing for me about about Rennes' balance, I think that Lamouche settled on a side that feels a lot more stable. Um, he settled on Perchic and Andre midfield. They've looked good. And, and while Sacco's come in and not, not exactly set the world alight, but he's at least given them that focal point. And you look across the side now, you don't have Kazri playing up front and you don't have Saar playing all over the place. I mean, you still have Ben Sabini at a left back, but you, you, there is that sense that there's a more balanced and structured approach from Ren. And I think that's helped. And it's that consistency that has, has helped them over this, this run of form. And I think when you look at the competitors as well, I mean, not, it's taken them absolutely ages to fall out of fifth and it's about time that they have done. Um, and I think with, especially with them, we're starting to get a bit tetchy with Ranieri. It's, it's, he's come across as sort of, it's getting to him a little bit. Um, there's always a fine line with the Ranieri side between the very good and the, you know, the, the not so great, the mediocre. And, and that goes back to, 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 to even Leicester and, and, and Chelsea and obviously Greece. But I think, you know, it's, it's a low uh, points tally this season, especially in that fifth place. Um, I don't think we're going to get near the, the point size of last season and it does leave it open. And, and as Rich was saying, if you can get that, that little run of form um, at the right time, then you know, they, they can take advantage of it. Ren's uh, obviously a disadvantage is, the, is their run and I do think that is really, really tough. Um, I do think they'll have to take a lot more points of the next four than, than, than you might think just because they've got to play Toulouse and Strasbourg, both of which aren't safe. Um, Strasbourg still need to push on and so, and so did to lose so 
those two games could also be a, a stumbling block. But that said, you know, we, we're looking at a run team in, in really good form and against in an in a position in, in the league that has been quite quite open. But I certainly agree with the idea that they can build on this going into the next season. They've got all the building blocks to do that. Um, obviously, their track record of developing players is superb, so you can't count against the next few coming from the academy as much as anything. But, you know, <laughs> across the team, you look at the age. I mean, Jelang and Nyanyan are the perfect example. I mean, they're both so young, yet they are performing slowly a good partnership. I think there's still errors there, but that's developing nicely. You've got Bourgeois on the right as well. And Saar, of course, we haven't seen anywhere near the, what he can do yet. So there's a lot of potential in that side. Um, and the only thing I have to say is, I guess, it throws to you, Rich, is, is Ben Sabini really a left-back now? <laughs> I'll give you something. He, he, I think he has improved. Um He's still, I would say, the weak link. I still think he's a bit of a walking um, penalty provider. Um, and I think there's still question marks over his temperament. Um, but he's improved. He's not a left back, and I will make that argument until I'm you know, six feet under. Um, but at, at the minute, he's he's probably the best that we've got with Ludovic Baal, who is a, you know, I still think is a very good right back. It just seems to be having the most rotten luck with injury of late. Um, it seems to be a case of make a comeback and, you know, seemingly half an hour into that comeback, there's a there's a, a recurrence of a, of a former injury. So he'll do. Um, it's an area I'd like to see looked at in, in the summer, um, along with perhaps a couple of other areas as well. But as you both said, I'm, I'm pleased with what looks like some real solid building blocks for, for what's to come. Yeah, just don't sell them now. Is the important thing more than anything. <laughs> well, interest, interestingly, I did read today that they were potentially looking at bringing back Costile because there were several English clubs looking at, at Thomas Kubek. So um, there's going to be there's going to be players that will, will take some interest. You know, Nyanyon will whether whether they can keep Kazri, of course. Um, again, midweek rumours suggest that he could go for as cheap as four and a half million euros if Sunderland do get relegated which seems to be on the cards. So I don't know whether that's good news or not for Ren because it you know it puts him firmly in their price bracket, but obviously then brings into play so many other teams who will have seen how well he's he's got back to form. Mm, yeah, that's always a worry. Let's hope it went slightly under the radar how good he's been at, at, uh, at Ren and hopefully that the fact that he has to go back to Sunderland beforehand, they might think that uh, he might have uh, contributed on their downfall again and maybe that's fucking... Only dream, can't we? Um, let's move on then to what is happening this week, which is um, the international break ahead of us. We've got two friendlies um, for France before the uh, World Cup still, and that's against Colombia and Russia this week to varying degrees of difficulty, you might say, in those two games. But some interesting call-ups, and we'll talk about them, the whole squad really more in depth but, uh, um, during that uh, weekend because obviously we're getting closer and closer to the World Cup. But two new players to the setup because although Kimpembe hasn't played for the national side before he 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 has been selected for the squad before but the two new ones are, are both Spanish based in uh, Lucas Hernandez of Atletico Madrid the left back and, and centre back as well and uh, Vissan Benyeda the, the the scourge of Manchester United you might say um, the severe forward who's had a, a good season although he has dipped in and out with the severe side but maybe more because of Montella than, than his actual form himself but Peter two players that 
are interesting picks, especially the striker Benyeda, who obviously we've seen in Liga for a number of seasons do very well, and he has been performing well for Sevilla as well, but seems maybe a, a left field sort of choice. Um, and also Lucas Hernandez, there, there is questions about those fullback positions. And with Luca Dean being the other selected left back on that one, it, it seems like an interesting chance for him to maybe put a marker down, given that Dean is not a regular starter by any stretch of the imagination, really, for, for Barcelona. Um, what do you think to the two uh, newcomers to the squad? Sorry, Nathan, I just dropped out. What was that? Yes, yes, sorry. sorry. Um, so what do you think to the newcomers of the, uh, into the squad? So what, Lucas Hernandez and Vissan Bandiero, what do they? Th- what do you think they bring? Uh, it's, a, it's an opportunity for them. I mean, it, I guess the proximity to the World Cup counts against them a little bit. I think in Benyeda's case, there is an opportunity there. You know, Lacazette is never uh, a certainty with Deschamps. It's always, oh, do I have to pick him sort of feel to it whenever he does appear? So, you know, with him out, there's a chance. But I, I was a little surprised he was included. I mean, as, as you pointed out, I mean, he hasn't featured so much for Sevilla, especially in the league. More to do with Montella, as you were saying. But I, th- I, th- I think, you know, I mean, his Champions League form has been exemplary. And, and against United, of course, we, we saw what he can offer. So, you know, there's a chance there for him to really put some pressure on and, and, and give, some, give Deschamps something to think about uh, as much as anything. Um, Luca Hernandez, I think, is, is a, different, a different story. I think left-back has been a position that he would, Deschamps be looking at to think, well, what are my options here? Of course, Mendy's been out all season. There'll be a question of whether he can get back to good enough form to, to, to make it back into the squad. You'd imagine he will be able to. Kazava has, has been poor um, generally all season, both PSG defensively not offensively with his frequent super strikes he chips in with every now and again and obviously there's Luca Dean in there as well so there's there's some selection uh choice and I think Deschamps really does love a versatile player that's why uh, Benjamin Pavard is still in the squad and because he can play across the back back four and Luca Hernandez is, is a similar mold and I think you could even put Ben Yedder into that that he can he can move around on that that front three as well um, with something that's counted against the likes of Fakir in the past, so you know there are opportunities there. Of course, there are, and, and when you're when you're in that setup, but I guess it's it's a two week period. It's always tough, and there are a lot of other options that that France have to call on, especially in forward areas. So it's it's, a, it's always a tall order, but you know it's the merited call ups to an extent, and it'd be good to see what they can offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. A couple of interesting choices, really, Rich. Given that um, obviously neither of them have. have really been in the setup before. Lucas Hernandez is only 22, so he's got plenty of time to sort of embed himself when you think that also players like Kozawa and, and and others at left-back have been struggling with, obviously, Mendy injured as well. And, and Vissan Benyeda, you think of the strikers that might be options. Kevin Gamero has been in and out at Athletic. Uh, Lacazette's obviously injured, so is Fekir. Um, you think of maybe even Sebastian Allaire. Maybe he's a little bit too close to Giroud. So Benyeda is more of that similar option to a, to a Griezmann or, or or someone that can play out wide, or, or if Lacazette or Fekir can't make it, he's maybe more of a, an option to their sort of style. So a good opportunity for both, and both probably will get a game, you would think, at least in these in these ties, really, and a, a chance for them to, to show what they're made of. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how they perform. <clears throat> I, I, did I read in, in uh, journalist Deschamps, if Ben Yedder hadn't have scored those two goals against Manchester United in the Champions League, would you have picked him? And perhaps not the ideal thing that Ben Yedder would have wanted to hear. Deschamps says possibly not. Um, so he doesn't necessarily fill Ben Yedder with 
the the biggest dose of confidence going into it. But I'm pleased to see he's finally been given a chance. You know, he was a he was a regular scorer in Liga. Uh, he's gone to Spain and had you know, decent success there. Um, obviously, announced himself on a much wider stage with those two goals against Manchester United. So it's deserving. Um, it's not the ideal time, as as, as Peter mentioned, with with the World Cup so close now. He's basically got he's probably got ninety minutes over the course of these two games to prove you know is he worth a punt from from Deschamps. Um, I just think there's going to be too much competition for him. Um, whether Fekir can can you know come back from his his latest knock, rediscover that that form that we saw early in the season, maybe maybe it could be a replacement for Fekir possibly. Um, but there's a lot of competition in that forward area. I think Luca Hernandez really emphasises how Kazawa has really not kicked on to the levels I think we all expected and hoped. Um, and once he once he got that move to PSG, um, you know we all thought right, you know he he performed so well at Monaco. Let's kick on. Let's let's see you know a world class left back. And a couple of years or so later, and we, we've still not seen a world-class left-back. It, it very much smacks of a, well, I'm going to need a backup in case, you know, this is a Deschamps decision where he's thinking, I'm going to need a backup in case Benjamin Mendy doesn't get back to full fitness or is going to lack match sharpness going into that World Cup. I'm going to need a fresh player who has played a lot through the course of the season to come in and perform for me uh, at the tournament. That's what this smacks me, you know, smacks off as far as I'm concerned. Um, so again, he'll have probably not again ninety minutes or so across the two games to impress. I, I think there's less less pressure on him to perform at a much higher level than Ben Yedda. I think just for the lack of of options, you know, aside from um, you know Hernandez and, and Dean and Mendy and Kozawa, there's there's no one else, and and they shan't didn't really sound like Kazawa was, you know, going to be with us, you know, had a nailed on position in that squad. So I think Lucas Hernandez has got a bigger opportunity than Ben Yedda to, to really make a World Cup, World Cup claim over these two games. But um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing some fresh faces in the squad. Yeah, two interesting selections that were they're kind of left field, really, out of anything. I mean, and we know Sam Ben Yedda has been doing very well recently but I never really expected him to get a, a French call up and it's nice to tie down Lucas Hernandez as well with with obviously having uh, other nationalities looking at him and been uh, performing well for Atletico it'll be interesting to see uh, what he can do as well um, we're going to finish this week with uh, our league and snapshots we'll, we'll save the plane for Russia for for next week we'll save that in our in our back pockets we might have a few of those next week but we'll do our our league and snapshots and I'll start with you Peter uh, what's your legal snapshot this week uh, my snapshot uh, comes from the bottom of the table, and that's Toulouse and Strasbourg's absolute uh, uh, mental finish to the game, um, including two goals from Yaya Sonogo, which is probably the more crazy aspect. Although he keeps saying that, and it's starting to wear off because he is, he is chipping in every now and again, and the Bev's getting the best out of him. But yeah, as Strasbourg were leading up until the 89th minute, uh, where Sonogo struck, he then struck again 60 seconds later uh, to turn things on its head. And then just as you thought that, you know, Toulouse had stole a win uh yago sticks it into his own net from a kone header so it finished 2-2 three goals in well almost as many minutes to, to round off a, a crazy finish and a draw which both sides will 
probably be okay with, but both will be desperately looking to get those three points to try and pull away from the bottom, which is, especially for Strasbourg, I fear is looming very large. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's starting to hang over a couple of teams, isn't it? With those two draws in both those relegation fights, none of them really tried to separate themselves, which makes it entertaining but worrisome for all the more, all the more as well. Um, Rich, what's your uh, snapshot this week? Uh, mine's just a very, very brief one, and it was a sort of uh, a reminiscing back to the good times for for Bordeaux. Um, they brought back um, for the Ren game um, some of their sort of former great players. Um, from the sort of late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, there was a couple from the um, the league and winning team from 2008. Um, there was, I think, Pauletta and uh, Cavanay with the ceremonial kickoff. Um, at the end of the game, Shamak was brought on um, and, and partnered up again with, with Gore Kufa. was obviously there in a playing capacity with Ren and got the, the winning goal as well. So it was... Um, it was sort of a reminder of just you know what top quality players Bordeaux have had in recent times, and a real high, uh, emphasis, I suppose, on they're still a sleeping giant. You know, there's still a lot there, uh, a lot of unfulfilled potential with that club. The, st- you know, the stadium they've got, the heritage they've got. Um, you know, they really, really should be aiming a lot higher than they are. But with with US investors supposedly looking at coming in, you know, maybe that's a a sign things could change very soon. Mm, yeah, we can absolutely see that. My my league and snapshot goes to uh, two strikers that are in excellent form at the moment and uh, are really one, well, I think both in a way to, to different audiences at least are um, pulling up trees, shall we say. And that starts with Stefan Jovetic of, of Monaco who's been in sensational form if you've not been watching. He scored six goals in his last five games for them and, and came off the bench at the weekend to to grab the winner um, against, uh, excuse me, against Lille, where, where they they seem to mire themselves for a long period of time and, and eventually snuck away with a win. But he's been really good. He's been creative. He he almost set up a goal for Lamar in the second half as well with a lovely outside of the boot attempt. He he scored a wonderful little goal with a with a little delicate chip over the goalkeeper as well. He's been in really terrific form. A striker I've always quite liked. Even his his Fiorentina days, he was great. He, I thought he was underappreciated at Man City and and the same uh, into Milan as well. But has has really found some uh, spark at form. Even though Falcao's even come back now, really you can't argue that Jovetic has to be the the first name on the the team sheet there. And uh, one that. Which will obviously be very familiar with in, in Wesley Said, who's who's found a new lease of life really at Dijon. He scored four goals in his last three games himself. Um, has been a real nice foil to Tavares this season and scored the two that they helped earn a point in Santetti. And he he's just he seems like a completely different player. It's absolutely crazy. You think of also like Nolan Roux, who's who's come into form, but Wesley Said looks he looks quicker, he looks sharper, his finishing is much better. He, he just seems to have added an extra dimension to every part of his game, really. And it's great to see a player do that. Where where you really write off players that don't, especially strikers, when they when they do struggle to score goals. You think he goes to another team and you go, he might be able to score maybe one or two extra more but you think that he's not quite really the, of a league and level but he's really proved us wrong this season and credit to him and, and Dijon for and uh, management there in Dialio to, to, to bring that out of him and, and getting him uh, scoring goals again it's 
been really terrific to see. Uh, that's all that we have time for this week. My thanks to Rich, Peter, and all of you listening at home. Uh, do join us for the preview show that will we'll, Sorry, there will be no preview show with it being an international week. I apologise. Yeah, it's been a long while since we've done an international week, it feels like, at least anyway. So there'll be no uh, preview show on Thursday because it is an international week. So we'll, we'll return the following week. But we will have another main show for you on Monday. So do tune in to that next week. Uh, Abianto and goodbye.